With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Thursday, April 14th, this 2022 season, one week old. Michael Beller, Al Melchior here with you. We've got a great guest coming up in just a second, but first, gotta say what's up to Al. Al, how's it going, man? Good, good. You said one week old. I'm like, nah, not already. I was like, no, it's it is Thursday, so yeah. one week in the books. Yeah, we can we can we can do this all season long, man. Since it's <laughs> you and me every Thursday, we can celebrate every right. weekly birthday of the 2022 baseball season. I like it. This I is like great. It. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to today's episode in the one week birthday for this 2022 MLB season. Joining us is Greg Jewett. You can find Greg's work here at the Athletic, of course, the uh, reliever guru for us here at The Athletic. Greg, thanks so much for being with us. Of course. Thanks for having me on. We've scribbled down a handful of bullpens that we wanted to discuss. We know that you've got some in your latest column at The Athletic that uh, our readers should certainly be checking out. Let's get things started fun. Let's get things started with the Houston Astros, where Ryan Presley uh, came into the year unquestioned as the closer, unquestioned as one of the top closers in the fantasy baseball world one week into the season. Do you have any reason to question what you felt about Presley two weeks ago? Uh, Slightly. I mean, uh, even last year, I remember tracking him and got tons of questions in the preseason because he did a lot of his work on the backfields and not in spring training games. Uh, So we never really got a read for what was going on, and people were worried if he was hurt, this, that, and the other. Well, this year he repeated that same process. He did most of his work on the backfield. He likes throwing to the guys in the back, getting opinions, whatever. Um, But once he did one appearance in the spring, and we noticed that his velocity was down a little bit, and that's continued. Uh, He's he's averaging about 92 miles per hour with his fastball, um, and he had been doing okay uh, his first couple of outings, but then last night in Arizona – he was not throwing strikes. I think he threw five strikes out of his 15 pitches, which is very uh, rare for him. Um, So the lack of command, I don't know if there's something that we're not hearing about as far as the velocity. I mean, we saw that they gave him the two-year extension, so that kind of let everybody take a breath of relief and say, okay, well, Houston wouldn't give him an extension if there was an issue with that elbow or anything else. Uh, but but again, um, so he went from his first couple of outings, he threw 26 pitches with 20 strikes. And then again, like I said, last night, he threw 15 with only five. So that harpooned his strike percentage uh, and, and it, it causes a little bit more concern. So we don't know if it was this was the second time, you know, he, he faced the Diamondbacks on back to back outings. Maybe they made an adjustment or if this is something that's going to linger going forward. So basically, the the long story short is if you have Ryan Presley, it probably would not be a bad idea to back him up with Hector Neris this weekend. 
that was where I wanted to go with that. Uh, do you think that that's a move, not just for people who currently are rostering Presley, but just looking looking for saves wherever they, they can find them? Yeah, if if you're in a if you're in a very competitive league where every save matters, then I I would say yes, because even even if Presley is healthy, they're not going to. I would I would gather to say they're not going to push him. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of back to back. And after this consecutive outings, he might get two days off, uh, which is common with a lot of relievers. So that means uh, Norris is a little little younger, a little fresher, uh, and they brought him in there as a clear backup, I believe, for this role. And obviously, the Astros are a forward-thinking organization. I figured they would maximize his pitch mix better than the Phillies did last season. And so I think that would put uh, Norris in a position to either get you ancillary saves or if Presley gets a couple weeks off to reset and relax, then he would definitely get full run as the uh, closer in the interim. Someone who you grouped with uh, with Presley in your most recent column at The Athletic was Craig Kimbrell uh, for mm-hmm. some of the similar reasons that you just talked about with Presley, a, a veteran who is dealing with some slightly decreased velocity here in the first week of the season, which is not a crazy thing for really any pitcher and certainly uh, you know a pitcher with the mileage that Kimbrell has on his arm to be dealing with, but it's still something that's worth considering, at least worth paying attention to. How closely mm-hmm. do you pay attention to that with a guy specifically with Kimbrell's track record? Uh, there's there's two parts to that. Uh, I remember last year uh, when he was struggling in the spring because I did take him in, in one of my leagues, so I, I paid laser close attention mm-hmm. to him. Um, when he struggles, A, the velocity is down, and then B, his fastball tails instead of rides. And when that happens, when it tails, it leaks into the strike zone, and he gives up more uh, extra base hits and things of that nature. So... But but what I did share within that within the article was the fact that his ERA kind of goes in lockstep with his velocity, and and you can see that. So if he's sitting if if he's averaging ninety five ninety six, that gives him a much shorter leash uh, for success, and and that's just something we don't know how this compressed spring training is going to affect people and. You know, his first outing in spring with the Dodgers did not go well, but he turned things around a little bit. And I do believe in the Dodgers front office, um, like the Cubs, they're they're pretty pretty good at maximizing their pitchers and, and what they produce. So I, I'm thinking they will get him on the right track, but we just want to, the first couple of weeks, we just want to pay close attention to his results and then also close attention to is his velocity ticking up as as time moves along this season. Uh, Scrag, there's a couple of relievers who are currently on the IL who uh, back in spring training look like they might be in line to at least share uh, a closer's job. Uh, so Dylan Flora with the Marlins, Lucas Sims with the Reds, uh, both could be back by the end of the month. Uh, are they waiver targets at this point? I, I if From a purely save standpoint, uh, Floral's probably a bit more intriguing just because Manningly's pretty faithful and and he takes a linear path, which is you know A to B to C, uh, which us as fantasy players prefer. Uh, not that that's the the new wave of analytics has really harpooned a lot of those uh, traditional steps to uh, the to the closer. So if that's the case and Floro is healthy and, and Bender keeps struggling, he had, a, he had a tough loss the other day. Again, same thing, threw nine pitches, only three were strikes, and one of them was a wild pitch to put the runner on third base. That's not optimal from your 
from your closer or perceived closer. So um, I would probably give him a little more um, preference if that was the case. Now, Sims is supposed to be back by the 22nd, according to uh, the athletic C. Trent Rosencrantz. So that's also something to monitor. He made his first rehab outing yesterday at AAA Louisville. Um, velocity report seemed okay. Uh, same thing. Now, Sims last year, his first stint on the IL was after they used him three times in four days. So I don't know that he can handle a traditional closer-ish uh, role, and, and not to mention the fact that he was the best Reds reliever in the second half last year, and they kept giving save chances to Givens and Lorenzen. Uh, saves are kind of fungible to the Reds, so if you're if you're taking Sims, you just have to understand that he might only get one save chance a week or two save chances a week. If there's four, it's it's they're not just going to say Sims is our guy and go with it. That just not has not been David Bell's mo. Uh, sticking on that for a second, who in Cincinnati, if there is anyone, do you trust to be you know, enough of to do enough of everything? Because I, I think we all sort of assume that yeah. Cincinnati's not going to have a dedicated closer maybe at any point this season. So who in this pen can do enough of everything, enough save opportunities, enough Ks, good enough ratios to be uh, roster-worthy in just a, a standard-sized league? In a 12-team league, the one nice thing that we've seen is Tony Santion is the highest leverage reliever, which means he's going to face the best part of a lineup, whether it's a 7th, 8th, or ninth inning, and, and they've shown that. So he does have a save already. Uh, as a reliever, he's much better because his slider plays uh, plays up in that role. I mean, we we forget that he had a 12 strikeout outing last year as a starter, so we know his fastball and slider can work. Uh, in shorter bursts, it's even better. So he's he's filling what has been tabbed the TJ Antone role, which you know Antone was a very popular preseason target oh, last yeah. year. Uh, so Santian is that guy. So he might get. 10 saves this year. He might get seven vulture wins and we know he's going to be in those lever situations. You know, I know we got excited about Art Warren getting his first save on Sunday. Then his next outing, he was in the seventh inning. So we can't guarantee where he'll be. And guess who pitched the eighth inning that day? It was Santiam going against the heart of the order. And then they tried to get cute using Hunter Strickland and he imploded in the ninth. So the, the ninth inning is more fungible to the Reds, but at least we know that David Bell and staff trust Santion as their HLR, which is a term that uh, me and Brandon Funston agreed to last year when we were talking about the bullpen stuff. <laughs> um, and, and it's just the easiest way to do it. So I try and put it in every article of what the definition of what that person is uh, because bullpens keep changing. So how we treat them has mm -hmm. to change accordingly as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I want to shift focus to a team that – maybe has a similar kind of bullpen structure and that's the Mariners. And I, now granted it is a bold prediction. So, uh, you know, you take uh -oh. that for what it's uh -oh. worth, but one of my bold predictions was that Paul Seawald would walk away with 20 saves this year after week one. That's not looking so hot. He's, he's got to pick up the pace cause he's got to get almost one a week, but, um, it's no surprise to see Scott service go to different, different relievers in the, in the ninth inning. But, How's, how's that prediction looking to you right now? <laughs> it, it can happen, but um, last year, I believe, and I had that in the article as well, after they traded for Diego Castillo, I, I put that specifically in there. So I think Seawall had seven saves, Steckenrider ended up with 11, and Castillo got two. Um, Seawald is very akin to Santion as in he's their HLR. So 
if they need him in the eighth inning to face three, four, five batters, that's where he'll be. And that's what happened when Steckenrider got the first save. Seawall did the heavy lifting, and then Steckenrider came in against the bottom third of the lineup and, and, and walked away with a save. Uh, this happens a lot with Seattle. So so you need you need the heart of the order matching up in the ninth inning for Paul to get those save opportunities, which he can. I would say a more realistic number would be 15 as his max, but you're not far off and asking too much. Uh, and we'll see how that happens. And I do like one thing here. They, they've pretty much said that they will not use Andres Munoz uh, on back-to-back outings early because they're letting him cut his teeth in high leverage. Um, but he's got the highest swing strike rate in that bullpen, even in his limited exposure so far in the majors and that kid's electric I think by second half he might end up being the arm to own in his bullpen and they can really put Seawald into that HLR plus role and use him whenever they want but yeah we'll, we'll see how all that shake out but trusting one person in that bullpen uh, comes with a lot of apprehension Al let me just tell you right now as we're recording 2 23 p.m where I am in the central time zone Mariners are up two nothing on the White Sox in the fourth inning so uh there you go <laughs> all right can you project ahead who's gonna be on the nine that's right we can get your first one today that'd be fantastic <laughs> there you go maybe he's gonna get that opportunity let's stick on those HLRs for a second here Greg uh, in that latest column among the teams with HLRs you have listed Orioles Cubs Reds Royals Pirates Mariners Cardinals and Rays Mm-hmm. Uh, in that group of in that group of pitchers, in that group of guys who are currently serving as a non-closing HLR, which one would you handicap as the most likely to leave behind the, the HLR role and move into a traditional closers role, if you think any of them will? To me, the most likely would be Gallegos, even though the team repeatedly, I mean, the closer by calculation tabulation that was put out by Derek Gould early in the preseason, uh, Marmol, the new manager, saying the same exact thing, saying no one's going to have to find roles. But in the first time they did it, it was Gallegos. Um, and what he did in September, I think, can't be ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the biggest threat to me right there would be is there, there will come times where, say, they're playing uh, the Cubs or one of their division rivals that they really want to have that game in the heart of the order, like say a Suzuki's coming up in the eighth inning, they're going to put Gallegos in there. And then you might see uh, Ryan Helsley come in and get the save in the ninth. So just just plan on those things. If you treat these guys with 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 how the team uses them, it just makes it easier so you don't get on tilt every time when they don't get the save chance because – uh, again, a lot of these organizations, and Alec Lewis does a great job covering the Royals for the Athletic. He writes about this all the time, saying that there's not going to be one set path to the ninth inning. They use matchups, so it might be, hey, Michael, you match up best with the one, two, three hitters in this series, so that's where you're gonna, mm-hmm. that's who you're gonna face in the late innings. Al, you you match up best with the three, four, five, and then Greg, you match up best with the bottom of the lineup. So, so that's when we play the Guardians this weekend. Th- that's your role. But he tells them before the series, but they do it on a series by series thing. And so people, you know, they draft Scott Barlow thinking he's going to be the closer based on September last year. But that that's just not the case because they had a bunch of injuries. So one team that I've really avoided is the athletics, uh, avoided them in, in my drafts. Um, Lou Trevino was clearly going to be the guy there, but mm-hmm. uh, I just figured there wasn't really enough potential to rack up saves. But so far, again, one week into the season, that offense has been a lot better than I think a lot of people expected it to be. Now, could completely revert uh, in week two here. But uh, if, if they can keep that going, is there anybody in that bullpen that you like long-term? 
I, I really like the upside of the potential of AJ Puck, but they, they keep trying to use him in multiple innings. When he goes in one inning, he does usually a little better in his results and even showed that in spring. Uh, the, the, at the longer he stays out there, uh, the little bit more he gets exposed. Uh, you know, Zach Jackson has done a nice job as a rookie coming in. I just don't know if he has the stuff to be the closer. And, and I understand what you're saying, Al, because at some point you have to think Oakland's going to trade Trevino. I mean, if, if they're really, if they're not going to compete this year, keeping him around in the ninth inning with his lack of swing and miss stuff, he, he's much better suited being a setup reliever on a contender rather than a closer on, on Oakland. So I, I understand, I understand why you did that and it was the right process. And I think you just stick to it. What I'm really hoping is, is whoever they end up trading Trevino to, or if they end up trading Frankie Montas, um, that they'll get a good reliever back that could probably slot in and move up there. That that's always been Oakland's mo. They try and target major league ready relievers in trade and get them right into those leverage innings. So that the long long story short is the closer on this team may not still be on may not be on the roster as is presently constructed. How excited are you about Joan Duran? Uh, very since he's already <laughs> been in three of my articles, but, and if he ends up not being the closer, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, even if he's a part of the thing, I mean, again, when you see talent like this, it doesn't just fall out of trees. So, I mean, I can't just say, Hey, this, this guy throws 102 miles an hour and he's got this nasty splinker and you know, he could be okay someday. I mean, his first outing, he came out, gave up first, gave up hits to the first two guys he 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 faced, and we've seen a lot of people melt down in that major league debut. A couple of runners get on and they panic, and 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 he just settled in. He struck out four people in a row, and I was just like, oh, okay. So not only does he have talent, but he has moxie, and I just I believe in the stuff, and I'm willing to wait until even May if I have to. But I think once he gets into the ninth inning mix that it'll be very hard for Rocco Baldelli to take that away from him. I mean, Emilio Pagan, Tyler Duffy, I mean, those those guys just don't have the stuff that this kid does to, to handle those late innings. Uh, let's take a look at the Nationals, where it appears that Tanner Rainey's uh, in, the, in the driver's seat there. He hasn't walked anybody yet, just three innings, but <sighs> you, you work you work with what you have, I guess. <laughs> and that's, that, to me, is very encouraging. Uh mm-hmm. Is he something? He's he's pretty widely available still. Is he somebody people should be targeting this weekend? Yeah, I've always been Team Rainey. I mean, he he really flashed in 2020. And again, that's a very limited, small sample, but he he had a tremendous K minus BB rate that year. That year, and then you know last year he he got hurt early on, and I think there was a COVID case. I mean, the whole it was like a lost season. Uh, and then in the spring, his velocities were down a little bit when he started out and then the panic button set in and I ended up taking him in a, in a DC cause I needed a, a second closer with upside because I don't know if everybody just noticed that I was in it. So I was on the wrong end of both closer runs. Uh, so, so I had to do something. So I reached a little bit above his, uh, ADP to get him just because I believe in the stuff. And, and you said the key, if he's throwing strikes, then that changes everything because that unlocks his slider. Uh, and I think you'll see a little bit more swing and miss stuff as as the year progresses with him. And I just hope the kid stays healthy and keeps throwing strikes. So that's why I was knocking on my head when you were reading off that thing. But you know, I've always been Team Rainey, so I'm hoping that continues. David Robertson has picked up a couple of saves for the mm-hmm. Cubs. And correct me if I'm wrong, those are the Cubs only save opportunities. Mm-hmm. To, to it this is point of the season, right? Yep. So I mean, 
two for two and both save opportunities going to David Robertson. The second of which was just two days after he had pitched in a non-save spot. I mean, is David Ross telling us something here? I hope so. And the only reason I labeled Robertson as the HLR just for now, and, and these are always subject to change, was that that day you referenced when he pitched in the non-save outing. He went in the eighth inning, but he went against the heart of the lineup against the other team. So I, that just raised my radar a little bit saying, well, I'm just going to, I don't want to label him the closer until either Ross says it or he just continually keeps getting them. So uh, I don't want to go on record and say today that now Robertson's the closer and then tonight they give the save chance to Givens and everyone's like, what the hell is Jewett talking about? So uh, I'll keep him where he is, but uh, I'm, when they signed Givens and Robertson, all that told me was that Wick was not their guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been 100% correct so far. Uh, and he pitched he pitched yesterday in a non-save outing and gave up a hit and a walk. Um, his, his whip last year, even when he got a chance to close some of the games, made me nervous. So I thought Cody Hewer would, would displace him for the closer role in the preseason. And then when Hewer went down with the injury and then they added Givens and Robertson, that, that again tilted me, leaned me towards saying it's not Wick. So it had to be one of these guys that they're bringing in. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, so, you know, talked a little before about the, the Oakland situation and maybe there being a closer later on that's not in that roster right now. Do you see the Diamondbacks in a similar situation? I don't know what uh, the plan is going to be with Mark Melanson, but it, the first three appearances, uh, he hasn't really been as sharp as we've been accustomed to. So mm-hmm. I, I do have some concern there. Definitely. And, and, you know, he's never been a big velocity guy, but his cutters averaging two miles per hour lower than last year. And that's just, I mean, if he can't get inside and he's losing two miles per hour, then, you know, it's not as effective inside. And now batters can turn on those instead of grounding out to the shortstop, which is one of the, you know, I, I've, I've always joked that ground balls and guile is what's kept him in the ninth inning. Uh, if, if that disappears with the, with the velocity drop and it doesn't come back, then we're in a little bit of trouble, especially because Ian Kennedy's not bad, but he's a fly ball pitcher. Um, I was hoping Kennedy would end up in Miami or somewhere else where the ballpark would help insulate his his skill set and if they were going to make him a closer, but that didn't happen. Uh, so I, I, I'm nervous about that bullpen as a whole. Um, I, I really don't know. Now, what I will say is uh, there was a guy in spring training that popped late. His name was Dre Jamison. Um, he was hitting triple digits, and that's just somebody that we want to keep our eyes on. If he does really well in triple A, and they can get Melanson and Kennedy moved before the trade deadline for um, P. 
pieces for the future. That 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 kid that kid may be somebody who comes up and uh, excites us the way that Duran and Strider have uh, so far early on. Yeah, we're always looking for those guys. Those guys who, <clears throat> you know, second half, second mm-hmm. two thirds of the season surgers. We know they are coming, and so it's good. It's a good class of players to have your eye on, have in the back of your head. And in that same vein, you know, one, two, maybe more than that of those guys could end up being. Guys who move into high leverage roles or even dedicated closer roles. Who's your favorite or maybe a couple of favorite guys to speculate on right now as guys who can also maybe give you some value right now, but could also ultimately uh, mature into ninth inning roles for their respective teams? Uh, Let's see here. Um, A lot of this hinges on the trade deadline, but I, I really like what I've seen so far out of Dylan Coleman in Kansas City. Now, again, we know that they're not going to go with a defined uh, closer, but in the second half, if this team does struggle and their starting pitching right now doesn't really doesn't really show me that they're going to be in contention this year, mm-hmm. even even though we're excited about Bobby Witt Jr. and everything else is going on with the lineup. Um, if if that's the case, then Scott Barlow, I believe, is uh, in his arbitration window, which would make him an, uh, an obvious trade candidate. Uh, so then all of a sudden, a guy like Dylan Coleman might be able to jump ahead of Stallmont and other people in that bullpen. Uh, he was in my early season uh, close, uh, guys to keep an eye on uh, for the future. And even the other day when the whole bullpen imploded, Coleman at least turned in a clean outing with two strikeouts. Uh, before Brents and Stallmount and and Barlow all gave up two two runs each in that uh, thing. This one's not a he's not young, but in Texas, um, I I know everybody's kind of waiting for Joe Barlow to retake over that ninth inning. But Garrett Richards is probably going to come back off of the injured list maybe today. Um, he worked in AAA two days ago. There's rumors that. It wasn't really a blister. It was that he did he wasn't vaccinated and couldn't go to Canada. Whatever. That's between him and the team. But um, that they brought him in originally to be a multi-inning reliever. But in spring training, all of his outings were one inning or less. So, oh goodness, my dog. Hold on. How dare somebody walk by the front of the house? <laughs> um, so, anyways, so so Richards, I think, could come up and get into leverage innings with the Rangers. He may not get saves right when he gets mm-hmm. called up or brought back to the roster. But I do think that he's a, uh, a sleeper to kind of come in there and, and get some of those save situations. Uh, and who else? I'm trying to look here. Not Boston. I don't know what to do with Baltimore because <laughs> they're just always a mess. And we gave you we gave you Dre Jameson. And, and if something happens with Kimbrell, I mean, we have to be ready for Daniel Hudson. And then if something did happen to Kimbrell long term that he, he, you know, whatever, he gets shut down or it just can't get his velocity back or, or whatever the case. Worst case scenario in the second half, I really like what Bruce Dark Radderall has been doing. I feel like we've been waiting for him for years. Uh, but I would like to see a little bit more swing and miss stuff from him. But the easy velocity and, and the fact that, you know, I mean, he looks like he's just out there doing slow pitch softball and all of a sudden he's throwing 99 miles per hour and it's on you without anything. And again, I mentioned it before with the Cardinals. I think Ryan Helsley could be a sleeper if they really do keep Gallegos in the, 
HLR role that at least he can get you double digit saves possibly. His cutter this year looks fantastic. He's working with increased velocity, unlike most of the people we've been talking about today. Uh, and, and we know the Cardinals play close games. So if he gets on a heater, he can get you a couple saves in a week. And that's huge when it's somebody that we don't think is in the role, but, but grabs those on the side. So I want to uh, talk a little bit more just about the the reliever pool in general and, and looking for saves in fab right now. Uh, and this goes back to a conversation that I had with Derek Van Riper uh, on, on one of the episodes, I think last week. And I was saying that this year I'm planning on just kind of hanging back the first maybe two or three weeks as far mm-hmm. as relievers go, not spending a lot because I feel like that is an error that I make every year, which as I, I get too aggressive and speculating, getting too maybe a little too panicky over saves when new new closers are being churned out throughout the season or at least that's an assumption that I'm making mm-hmm. uh what approach are you taking in the first few weeks well uh, if if you if you were savvy enough or, or got you know the right targets in your draft hopefully you're not panicking either uh so I ended up with a lot of Taylor Rogers. Um, I ended up with, you know, uh, I got Jordan Romano and the TGFBI, things of that niche. So I didn't really, I, I do have some hater shares, but that was just based on how the drafts shook out. It wasn't like I went in there saying I had to have Josh Hader. It was the fact that he, he, he dropped to a point where I was comfortable enough with that price point that I, I added him to my roster. So, uh, I've got a lot of Corey Knable, things of that nature. So I, I think you are right. And then I think a savvy thing you can do right now is just grab a guy like Brad Hand. That's going to be the second guy behind mm-hmm. Knable. He's going to get, you know, Knable appeared in back-to-back outings twice last year in a regular season. I mean, Philadelphia cannot run him into the ground, and they know that. Um, so Brad Hand's going to get save opportunities because he 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 has background with the pitching coach, and that's why he went there. He helped him reshape his slider in the off season. You know, am I saying Brad Hand's a top closer? No, but I'm saying. If he gets you a save a week when you didn't pay for them, then that's something that you can that that you can benefit from. Uh, and so pay attention to all these guys, you know. Also, I will say this, you know, and, and it's good that you're waiting because guess what? Um, you know, the Yankees are starting out okay, but Aroldis Chapman's in a walk year. Guess who else is in a walk year? Edwin Diaz. So I mean, if anything happens where the Mets or the Yankees don't do or contend where the team wanted them to be, there's a very good chance those guys get traded. Then all of a sudden we're worried about, is it Seth Lugo or Drew Smith mm-hmm. in the ninth inning? Or is it going to be Jonathan Loisica? Uh and, and by the way, Mr. Boone, can you please not use Jonathan Loisica four out of the first or four out of the last six days. I mean, we need Dave Roberts he, in New York. He, That's he, where we he, need wore, him. he wore him down last <laughs> September. Let's not do that again, please. Um, Cause I'm a big Loisica fan, but you can't keep putting the poor kid out there. And, and luckily um, I was able to predict the Daniel Bard thing. I, I named him the closer a couple of weeks ago on reliever recon. And thankfully that came to fruition. I mean, I got a couple of late shares of him as my third closer. So you know, I, I'm going to join you, Al, and just kind of wait patiently. I did get one inexpensive bid on uh, Duran last weekend, so I'm hoping that one will come around. But in the other one, I got uh, outbid by somebody who was trying to be as sneaky as me, so that, that one hurt a little bit. But, yeah, t- take a take a patient approach. Don't go out and burn triple digits of your $1,000 fab on the closer du jour 
uh, do the homework and figure out. And, and the biggest mistake people made last year was chasing the red saves from last week, not who might be coming up this <laughs> right. week. And, and that's the hardest thing to do because you want to, oh, okay, that guy got the saves last week, so he's the guy. And then all of a sudden this week is this guy. And you're like, damn it. So, you know, all that, who th- all that draft capital and then fab capital on Amir mm-hmm. Garrett. Yeah, it's it's it, it didn't work out, and even though he anointed himself the closer again, is uh, David Bell is what a manager that I, I've learned to have very little trust in. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream Direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit DirectTV.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Who ends up this season with the most saves in Boston? Right now, I'm still going to say Barnes just because I think that they will run best if he's there because then they can match up with Robles and Diekman in the 7th and 8th however they want to. Um, but I, I would... I think we need one more mile per hour back on his on his velo. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he has had two nice outings since the season started, coming back from that back tightness or however the the Red Sox wanted to label it. I think it was more about the velocity than his back. Uh, but I, I think they want him back there. It's just a matter of can we get him back there with the velo. I'll stay with him for now, but that's subject to change. <laughs> Yeah. And it's hard, you know, and Al knows I used to, I was a big Robles fan back in the day when we worked together at Fangraphs and um, he's put out, he's put together 18 consecutive regular season scoreless outings. So as much as he makes me nervous, he has been better with the Red Sox. I did not have that on my bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, just one quick and, and completely irrelevant Hansel Robles um, observation, because I was looking at him earlier today, uh, looking at his page on Fangraphs. And thinking back to, I think it was 2019, where he had that really good year from the Angels that mm-hmm. I feel like at the time people weren't giving him enough credit for it because it was, you know, it was better than people were expecting. It was, mm-hmm. he didn't walk very many people that year, which was not the pattern. He's gone back to not having the best control. And I'm like, this seems really familiar. And then I went and I looked up Fernando Rodney's page and the 2012 <laughs> season he had with the Rays. I'm like, okay, that was his Fernando Rodney Ray's season that he had with the Angels. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think that iteration of Robles is ever coming back, but um, if we can keep him at about a 1.2 whip uh, and ancillary save chances, I think he's much better suited. He, he, he's very good in the matchup things, and um, same with Diekman. Like Diekman, one night Diekman can look like, um, what do I want to say, uh, Billy Wagner, and then the next night he looks like he should be throwing in an independent league. So <laughs> it's all about command with Diekman. 
Um, but when when he's on, like that the game against the Yankees, when he struck out Judge and Stanton, I mean, he's yeah. lights out. But when when he's off, like he was yesterday in Detroit, then it's a little shakier, uh, little shakier outing. Yeah, that Boston situation is going to be one that we're watching very closely. Maybe never shakes out perfectly exactly for mm-hmm. the fantasy world or for the Red Sox. Uh, we're just about done here, Greg. But I, I got to ask you this. So you put out. Um, one of my go-to draft day resources uh, the last couple of seasons has been your uh, full ranking of relievers for saves and holds. Not just saves, not just reliever rankings there, but saves, holds. I love that. I have that by my side because uh, my home league, uh, the league I care about the most, is a saves, holds league. Okay. Um, I, so I know you do that, but I don't know the answer to this. Are you, are you in favor of saves, holds? Are you a saves, holds zealot the way that I am? <laughs> that, sounds, I am, that feels like I am a no. That it. feels no, like a no off the bat. Nah, it's not a no. It's but you know, holds can be just as goofy as saves because oh, I can come terrible. in. I can I can come in and give up, uh, you know, two base. You know, I can give up two hits and whatever, and come out after one third of an inning and get a hold. But then yesterday, I forget who it was, gets a blown save, but he came in with two people on and induced a sacrifice fly and got a strikeout. It's like. How is that worse yeah. than what the guy who gave up base runners and left and somebody else saved his bacon? He gets a hold, but this person gets a blown save. So it, there's, it's an imperfect world. Yep. Uh, the nice thing about solds is if you do a league with solds and then you actually have something like a, a K minus BB where you're really identifying who the best pitchers are, then I'm all for it. If so, you're just playing the traditional strikeouts, then it's not, it, it, it waters it down a little bit. But at uh-huh. least with solds, you're recognizing – Guys who are pitching in the late inning with that yes. role, and they are being rewarded for it. So, I, in that case, I, I totally understand and get it. We're—I don't think we can get this per- perfect with the way bullpens are used these days. It's just mm-hmm. we're going to have to settle for an imperfection here, impe- imperfection there, whatever you are, are using as a category. But I, my argument is that holds are adding holds is a way to reverse engineer reliever value to better reflect mm-hmm. their value to their real life teams right like like pierce johnson yeah, should have sense. some value yes. aaron bummer yes. should have some value guys like that should have value in the fantasy world because they have immense value to their teams right and you don't want david bednar being tethered to just getting a save because yeah. there's going to be a lot of times mm-hmm. that the pirates will use him in the eighth inning yep. against the best part of the lineup and then he gets a hold instead and, and you as a traditional player are like cursing yes. because Pittsburgh used them in that role, not Paul traditional. Seawald. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Paul Sewell gets much more value, yeah. And, and you and in Souls, you just want guys on good teams that are going to get the reps. Yeah, so one, everybody, in, everybody in the Mariners gets much gets pushed up in that format because now you're not worried if they're in the 7th, 8th, or ninth. You're mm-hmm. just happy that they're pitching in leverage. There you go. 2-1 to one in that game, by the way. I don't know how the White Sox got the run, but it's 2-1 <laughs> to one now, so you know we'll, we'll keep an eye on that over these next couple innings. Al, you got to join the Souls Revolution. It's just it's the wave of the future, my friend. All right, I'll tell you what, real quickly. Uh, I was all ready a year or two ago to, to completely buy into it, and I was in the Tout Wars Souls League last year, and I felt like it was overcompensation. Like I, I, you know, the scarcity and arbitrariness of rewarding saves is something that I, I applaud when leagues try to correct for that. But I feel like now what Greg was talking about with also having K minus mm-hmm. BB, I, I think that's a good adjustment. It's a good mix. But to just just reward solds, um, there's there's no scarcity there. I mean, there's a lot right. of really good relievers who can pick up holds and put up you know good uh, put up good peripherals. And that kind of takes takes the fun out of it too. So, yeah, it's unfortunately you have to wind up kind of legislating that to mm-hmm. death to make it uh, 
<laughs> to make it more interesting. You find a way to make it work for your league, whatever that might be. That's going to do it here for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Greg Jewett, thanks so much for joining us. Other than uh, everything you do for us here at The Athletic, where can our listeners find your work? Um, yeah, just the weekly column on The Athletic, and then uh, myself and four other contributors, we launched a site called Reliever Recon on Patreon. Uh, it's a monthly fee, but we put out information every day, and it includes my uh, closer charts, which update every day in real time, uh, and I give you little game recaps on there. So uh, there's there's all kinds of information. We have a guy in there. If you play in a daily league with with, with pickups every day, he, he focuses on all the guys. He, he calls them a fruit, which is the first reliever out of the pen, uh, the guys who get those vulture wins right now, and we yeah. see how few teams are letting their – their starters go five six innings so all of a sudden if you if you have two or three of these guys that come in and steal those wins in your league it's a, it's a huge uh huge advantage uh in leagues that don't prohibit pickups so uh, all kinds of information comes out on there daily we have a bunch of uh esteemed high high rolling players that subscribe to the site so it's cool and it's fun and uh yeah, we put out tons of content, and it's great. I, I have great contributors, and, and we have a great time with it. There you go. Be sure to check that out, Reliever Recon, all of Greg's work here at The Athletic. And, of course, follow him on Twitter at G-Jewett, J-E-W-E-T-T-9. Greg, thanks again for being with us on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Michael, and always great to reconnect with Al. We, we've worked together at two different places, so it's always fun. Three now. Well, yeah, three now. I said, well, we worked together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Just accentuating it. There you go. One, two, three. It is absolutely beautiful. Thanks to all of you as well for being with us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We are back at you again tomorrow. Al and DVR breaking down this weekend's waiver wire. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Uh-huh.